Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org, 18+. The final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the final Furlong podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside At The Races pundit and my good friend, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. And he's back. It's Mr. Roy DeLarge. Good afternoon. Welcome back or to evening, the show, my friend. Yeah, I don't actually know. Is it morning, afternoon? Who knows? Who knows? Listen, it all depends on when you're listening to us. So, good morning, good evening, and good night. Uh, the 32 Red Sprint Cup sees Harry Angel back in action after his awful, I mean, it could not have gone worse day at Royal Ascot. Um, when the official form book says he was beaten 23 lengths, but really he was screwed the second the stalls opened. Uh, he is a very, very short price favorite and takes on the likes of James Garfield, Sir Dancelot, Brando Says Go, Speak in Colors, who we'll talk about, Gustav Cl- Gustav Cliff. We'll get to that a little bit later on, but he's a very short price favorite. Uh, Kevin, the current weather forecast sees the going is good to soft. However, the clouds are continuing to rumble towards Haydock. Yeah, I've been keeping an eye on the forecast um, as the week has gone on, and it seems to be getting worse. And I think by all they're expecting some rain today, but I think by all accounts they're expecting Saturday to be a fairly miserable day in that it could rain pretty much all day. And we know Haydock, it doesn't take much encouragement to turn into a bog. Um, so that's something I'm doing the form on, the, on, on these races today, and I'm kind of thinking it might be closer to soft and good um, so that's the basis I'm working off. Of course, these things can change, but that's the way I'm considering it at this time. And by soft, you mean heavy? Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> it's Haydock. <laughs> uh, Rory, you're our man on the ground in England. Mm-hmm. Look outside the window and tell us how bad it is. Oh, yes. Here in Surrey, it's a little bit damp. So that means the going will be heavy at Haydock. <laughs> Definitely. If there's a bit this of mist out. This is very scientific. I'm only 190 miles, whatever it is, away from Haydock and not even near the same coast. But if you can, but, um, if you can spot a bit raced, of mist. They raced today, which is always helpful, and it was definitely on the soft side of good today. Yeah. I think it was good, good to soften places officially. There's a couple of non-runners tomorrow, um, which look potentially grind-related. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's heading towards soft. I... I it would need a lot of rain to turn it to turn it actually heavy, even though Haydock can can turn fairly quickly. But um, I I say aim for aim for soft ground and and remember you're at Haydock. <laughs> Didn't remember you're at Haydock. So Harry Angel obviously won this race last year on ground that would have been perceived to not be ideal. The opposition are all right. Uh, I can't really say what we were saying beforehand. So, Rory, we'll we'll start with you. Is this the recovery mission for Harry Angel? Is he just expected to go and win and win well? He's already beaten Brando and a number of these in his career. Yeah, he beats he beats them all if he's back to his best. But that that's that's what you're you're dealing with here. You know that he had not just an unfortunate experience, but an injury um, at Ascot, and for a horse who's always close to the edge temperamentally. Um, that has to be a worry for you, um, and it's, it's a difficult equation to play with because if you if you thought oh, you know he'd be vulnerable even if he was back to his best, then you could start playing the ground won't be ideal, the draw is probably not ideal in stall three. Um, maybe we should be looking against him, but you know that if he's if he's close to his best, he wins this. 
Hmm. Um, although we, we've been there very recently as well with Batash, you know, Batash yeah. was close to his best. He was going to win the Nonthorpe. But unlike um, Batash, Harry Angel won this impressively last year, despite having plenty against him on paper. And if we see the same Harry Angel this time around, um, then he's going to take the world to beating. Um, and he was he was impressive on his reappearance. Um, I, I wasn't enormously taken by that performance at the time, but it's worked out well. He, had, he got the better of Brando, and, and the uh, the third horse, who I thought was disappointing at the time, has gone on to, to win decent races since. So um, you can't really knock that performance. And um, his win in this race last year was, was exceptional, um, and pretty much none of these have run to that level before in their lives or look likely to do so. So if he's back to his best, he wins, uh, even from stall three. And, and if the going is soft... Um, they do have a tendency to come across to the standside rail, which should favour high-drawn horses. But um, I, I, that was, that's never a worry for me with a horse like him. If, they, if the jockeys know that they want to come across standside, the horse that, that favours most isn't the horse with the highest draw. It's the horse with the best early speed, wherever they are. Um, and if that's the only factor, I wouldn't let it put you off. Um, but his well-being has to be a little bit of a worry because they were fairly downbeat about getting him back early. Um, yeah. After Royal Ascot, and, and um, I've not really been tuned into the vibes from the uh, the Clive Cox Yard of late. But you know, I think once you get close to a race like this, and, and you're declared, you start talking them up whether you whether you have misgivings or not, um, and that makes it tricky. I can see that we're probably going to be looking at um, each way alternatives without the favourite bets here, um, yeah. because he, he's still capable of blowing the way on what we saw early in the season. Kevin, do you concur with Mr. Delargy's assessment? Um, largely. Look, I have nothing really against Harry Angel. If he's here in, in anything like his best form, he surely wins. Uh, like the, the ground shouldn't be an issue. He's handled Haydock soft before um, when winning this race as impressively as he did. Um, that's <clears throat> as he did last year. You know, it was heavy that day. So, you know, I don't think anything that the rain does is going to put him off. Um, he has, like Rory says, the pace to get across from three if he needs to. There doesn't seem to be blistering pace on here. You know, the likes of Sands of Mali can make it. You know, James Garfield um, made it somewhat last time. Um, Don Juan Triumphant can make it. But there's nothing in there, like in in, in the form of an out-and-out -out speedster that you could really hang your hat on mm. and that would, make, that would make him work. And, you know, it was in those circumstances... Uh, whereby he could sit prominently or dispute the lead off, you know, relatively soft fractions for a Group One sprint that saw him so impressive in the July Cup and this race last year. So you know, there's nothing in there to spoil him, I don't think per se, and he should be able to get across where he, wherever he needs to be. Um, Adam Kirby, I think, has learned with this horse in the last year. He, you, you want to be a bit controlled with him because, as you know, I've said a million times at this stage, he, I would be very bullish that he'd be fully effective over five furlongs. You know, pace is no problem whatsoever. It's doing too much too soon. That can be an issue with him. And, um, and look, he's rock solid. Would I advise anyone to lash in at, you know, five to four? No, because he's coming back from an injury. You wouldn't be shocked if he was even uh, a bit fresher than usual. And he can be a very a fiercely hard puller. So that would be a slight concern. Um, it's just it's a race that's made up just to have a swing each way at something at a bigger price, isn't it? Yeah, it and really let him, is. Let, 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 let him go and win. If if he goes and wins, you know, give him a clap. But in terms of a betting race, I think you got to have a swing at a bigger price, don't you? So I think last year when he drifted out to two to one, probably a lot of people were kicking themselves afterwards, going, "Oh God, he was a good thing, and we've let him go and run." He's five to four best price. I would definitely be prepared to let him run, particularly given the circumstances that lead him into this race if you are going to aim for one at a bigger price kevin blake would that happen to be brother and bro the brothers o'brien with speaking colors who will probably get his ideal ground now yeah well i'll give you two at prices and he'd be one of them um he's far less exposed than many of these um he was he was with marco botti last season switched to joseph uh, took two good steps forward in his first two starts. The ground was just too firm in the Commonwealth Cup. Um, that, that's a very easy run to excuse. And back last time, the ground was riding good at the curve, but it might have been a shade easier than that. And just that, that little bit of an ease was a big help to him. 
and he beat Gordon Lord Byron. And at the time, you might have said Asher Gordon's 100 years old, but he came out and finished second to Expert Eye, you know, beaten the same distance, albeit on slightly different terms. So he's yeah. clearly on, on great terms with himself. Um, the, the performance stands up on the clock um, in terms of overall time and sectionals. And I would firmly believe that he can do even more than that. Um, it was a funny type of race. They were pretty much fanned out across the track at halfway. And like I don't think we've seen the very best of him yet because, you know, one of the one of the, the, the things that he was bought on was the, the, the sectionals he showed when he won his listed race at Donny. You know, I think this horse is a real withering turn of foot that he hasn't really had the right circumstances to show just yet. And I'd feel that if he had proper group one pace in front of him, covered up, produced late, with an ease in the ground, I think those would be the circumstances that would show him the best effect. And we haven't quite seen him get those circumstances yet. And um, when I look at this race and how it's likely to set up, um, he's drawn around the likely pace, I think. Um, if you want to hang your hat on, you know, Don Juan triumphant and, and Sands of Mali in that regard. And... Um, yeah, I just think that, you know, he, he produced a career best effort last time. He's rated 111 now. You know, he's a stone shy on officials of Harry Angel, you know, so that kind of puts it in context. But he's a big price. He's 20 to 1 odd. And um, I could see him run a big one. I think the, the ground would help him, the pace in front of him would help him, etc. so on and so forth. Um, needs to improve, but I suspect he could. And the price is reasonable. And the second one I put up at an even bigger price, and he might be the outsider of the whole lot, is the aforementioned Don Juan triumphant um, and the angle here is ground if the rain that is due um, duly arrives um, I wouldn't want to be laying him at 50s or you know 10 to 1 plus for a place because for all that he is a bit mad and a bit quirky he's very he's very very talented and you know he won a, a big big handicap here just just under a year ago um, over this course and distance on heavy ground off a mark of 109 um, in a race that kind of went wrong for him. You know, he's a horse that can make, I think he's probably best making the running that day. He missed the kick and flew home. Um, and he's very, very talented. And he's been tried over seven furlongs this year. Um, with, you know, and he's put up some good performances. Um, I think last time you, you can absolutely forgive him that. It was a poor run last time, but I think it was just too firm for him. And um, I think six furlongs on soft ground might just be his, his perfect conditions. And if Rob Hornby can get him away in, away and out of the stalls, he, he might just have, he might be in the right spot now towards the front end, given that there doesn't seem to be any obvious um, wild pace in the race. And yeah, I think at, at that sort of price, it'd be difficult to, to walk away from him now. Cause he's just, look, 50 to one in a race like this, it's the type of horse you want to find, I think. Yeah. Um, and he could, he could sneak into the frame and you get a right result and you, you never know. He's very, ta he's always been very talented, but and the ground is a big, big help to him, I think. Okay, Andrew Balding's horse is absolutely flying. That's two for Kevin. Rory, what about you? Yeah, I think there's an interesting pair um, from Kevin. I've been with uh, Don Juan Triumphant in this um, in the past, I'm sure. He was he he was only 7-1 to one, um, a couple of years ago when disappointing. Um, I couldn't get into it from, from off the pace, but he's been making the running. Um, over further of late, and quite keen uh, with it as well. So um, he'd he'd be interesting, ridden aggressively at this. I liked him a lot um, as a juvenile for Richard Fahey, um, and he's been a, a little bit up and down since. But yeah, fifties, he's he's reasonably interesting because he's as likely a well, if you if you're looking for a front runner, he's um, um, he's as likely as as almost anything unless um, they just go forward with a favourite from the start here. Uh, for me, the um, if I'm playing this each way, and it is quite attractive as it stands at the moment, I thought the um, the obvious one, despite an absence, is Taslit, who was second in it last year, um, seems to need um, a, a bit of dig in the ground. Uh, he was disappointing on his reappearance at the Curra um, when fancied. He um, he missed an outing, uh, interestingly enough, behind Harry Angel at York. He was due to run there and run at the Curra instead. Uh, I just got the impression he wasn't pleasing um, connections at the time, but he stayed in training and um, they run him here. And if he's back to the form he showed at the back end of last year, he was he was second to Harry Angel in this, and he finished in front of Harry Angel in the in the British Champion Sprint at Ascot. Um, so he seems to be an autumn horse. Um, he's got the the speed figures to back up his performances as well. And the question with them is is 
whether connections are genuinely happy with him because um, he's got plenty, plenty of other things in his favour. Uh, and if he's um, if he's back to his best, he, he's the he's the big danger essentially to the uh, to the favour on form. And Rory, do we have we heard any reason why he hasn't been seen since his reappearance? Um, again, um, I I I try to avoid. Um, hearing pronouncements from trainers about things like that, um, I'm not entirely sure. It's it's quite possible it's just down to the ground. Uh, as I said, I don't think he looked terribly happy on on. Um, he's only carried his head a bit awkwardly at at the Cura, and I'd like to put that down to the ground, um, given how good he was and soft at the back end. But I haven't specifically heard. And I'm sure there are people listening to this who have heard pronouncements about it and are screaming at their laptops um, in <laughs> in public I'm, as a result. I'm, I'm, but again, you know, my, my view on this Yeah, second is... Egypt Alarky, William Haggis will be champion trainer in Ireland if he's best here. And he's told everybody what's wrong with him. I'm getting a very clear image in my head of, of William Haggis being interviewed on ATR and Rory uh, literally sticking his fingers in his ears going, la, 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 I can't hear you, la, la, la. Yeah, well... My view on this is if you're dealing with a top-class trainer, you trust them to get their horses there in decent form. And, and some trainers are overly optimistic and, and, and probably get more optimistic about the horse's chances when they've had a setback. They almost get defiant about it and say, this horse is flying, he's never been in better form. And then when it gets beaten, they go, well, he had a big setback the week before. So it's not surprising everyone back. So you don't, always get, you don't always get a good steer. In fact, you very rarely get a good steer listening to this sort of thing. Um, and if you're, if you're looking at top-class trainers and top-class horses, you trust them to get them to the big, uh, big races in good shape. Um, and listening to uh, rumours and interviews often tends to put you away a little bit. Okay, so Taz Leaf is the selection for Rory Delarge from an each-way perspective. Don Juan Triumphant at 500 to 1. <laughs> and speaking colours, who we can get at twenty twos, by the way, uh, are the selections for Kevin Blake. Quick word on Gustav Klimt. Is this just a case of, yeah, he's going to be racing for Mike DeCock next year, so let's just throw him wherever we want. Yeah, it seems a funny one now. Um, test the speed at seven furlongs didn't really seem to suit him last time. So, um, yeah, it was a good moving horse. I know he he won on very testing ground earlier in the season but I don't think it's what he wants and yeah I, I'd i be shocked but it wouldn't be the first time I've been shocked by Aidan O'Brien doing something funny that turns out to work that turns out uh, that it works we've all, always known he was a sprinter we've always known it um, to be fair the O'Brien team very much back in form it's a remarkable transformation but that would be an insane result where did they get that one right okay the Unibet Mile Registered as the superior mile stakes, Group 3 is off a 2.25. Uh, a mouse gets cheap <laughs> pieces for the first time. However, he's not running at Leicester. So do we leave this to regal reality or the mighty here comes when, Roy Delarge? First of all, it's an extra fortnight in purgatory for you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Where you're deliber deliberately mispronouncing Emmaus. Emmaus. Which, which, you know, it might, may well be pronounced a mouse in real life, but good Catholic Irish boys know it's Emmaus. Well, you see, you see, we're not sure. We're not entirely certain. Uh, he, he ran a Doville last time out. Um, he, he needs um, cutting the ground Emmaus. That's, that's the uh, the key with him. And um, he's... Um, He's either gone abroad or gone to Leicester, um, and he's got yeah. those two wins. He wasn't at all disgraced running in a Group 3 at uh, Deauville last time out. Um, the pre cancy or Quincy, if you like. Could be named after the, uh, <laughs> the Jack Klugman. Welcome character. back to the pronunciation show. Today, Rory Delargy will be taking us through various different pronunciations of names. Uh, so, Cheekpiece's first time for him. Yeah. Does this give you an indication that he is somewhat difficult I and... There is an awful no, lot of talent I, there, but they want to try. And no, I don't it. think. I, I never, I never really look at cheap pieces like that. I, for me, a lot of trainers think, you know, uh, we kind of we, we need to get two or three pounds of improvement out of him. Um, um, you know, how are we going to do that? And they don't want to put blinkers on, so they go for cheap pieces, hoping that, you know, it just, especially if they're hold-up horses. You know, maybe they're, he's lost two lengths out of the stalls there. And if he was two lengths closer to halfway, he nearly would have won that. So we'll stick the cheap pieces on because that might just make him concentrate when the stalls open. It's never really about horses who, who you know, for me, who are potentially ungenuine. Just just a case of can we find a length or two somehow and, and the cheap pieces go on. And I don't think 
as a general rule, they don't work, do they? No. Um, sometimes. You Every know, now you... and again, but realistically. So, yeah, no. and, and in fairness, you know, a lot of these horses would win races if they didn't have cheek pieces on, and you end up giving credit to the cheek pieces. But as um, uh, as James Willoughby often points out, cheek pieces are, are a net negative, um, and he doesn't like seeing them go on horses. Now, you know, that's in a manner of speaking, if you if you look at the, the results you get for first time cheek pieces, first time first time visor, first time blinkers. I, you end up losing money with all of them, but you know if you if you concentrate on on the type of horse who will benefit from that or the trainers who are particularly judicious with them, then you do okay. Um, I I think Emmaus, I mean strictly speaking, I think he's the one to beat um, on his Leicester form, but he's he's stepped up in class since then and come up a little bit short. I can forgive the Goodwood effort. That was in good ground and he probably wants more dig. Mm. Um, but he seemed to come up short at Deauville, um, despite the fact that he was favourite there. And he's probably not quite as good as that Leicester effort on heavy ground makes him look. And, um, horses who show outstanding form on heavy ground are horses you've got to be a little bit wary of. If they if they keep running to the same level on soft ground or they're running to that level on a, on a regular basis, then you can trust it. But if you're looking at one standout effort, um, then I tend to put a line through that if a horse is, is running to a similar level three or four times um, outside of that run. I think that defines them better than the one outstanding run. Um, it's called the Hawkwing Principle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's got to be a thesis called the Hawkwing Principle somewhere. <laughs> that would be genius. Uh, Kevin, you must think a mouse is uh, an absolute good thing given his victory over Don Juan Triumphant earlier this season on heavy ground. Oh, sure, look, absolute certainty, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't mind the maze, to be fair. Um, I don't know. I would, cheek pieces wouldn't have been my pick now. Um, obviously, the, his connections will be doing a rain dance. Um, it was his first try at my last time. It should suit him, really. You know, it didn't bring out any improvement there. I think on times the ground was kind of good to, more good to soft than the official soft um and you know if he got proper soft ground it, it may well be a help to him but i'm sorry i tell a lie that was, that was his second start over a mile his um his his second lifetime start was over a mile as well and the trip should suit him um but i do wonder about this race i'm just trying to find some pace in it and i'm kind of struggling and um I think Emmaus would ideally like a good gallop in front of him. And I think Regal Reality, who's likely to be... Everyone's still there? Yes, yep. Kevin, continue. Good, the line was suspiciously clear and silent there, so I thought you might be gone. <laughs> uh, Regal Reality you know, really thrived in a situation where um, he had a real good gallop in front of him last time. I was impressed with him at Goodwood. Yeah. Uh, I thought for, for one so inexperienced... Uh, he coped with that test very well. Um, you know, Goodwood is a tricky track, and they went the right gallop. Uh, maybe they went too hard, possibly, but he um, he came from a long way off that gallop and picked up a, a Royal Ascot winner in Ostilio, and that was impressive. That stamped him as a really nice horse in the making. But this, and I, I think he's the best horse in the race, um, Regal Reality, that is, but that doesn't mean he'll win uh, because I would just fear that this could get messy. This could get messy. And Regal Reality made the running himself when making a winning debut, but I don't know if they'd want to do it here, um, even if nothing else wanted to go on. So tactically, I think this race is, is super interesting. I'm struggling to find something to go on. Threading will surely win, surely lead, not surely win, given okay. the setup of the race. You know, Franny Norton on board a Mark Johnson horse with no pace on the race, they're yeah. going to go to the front. Yeah, you'd imagine Mark might want to ask him to stride on, but I, her, sorry, but I wonder I wonder how quick they'd go. Would they just go as quick as they're allowed to get away with? Um, you know, I, I just Well, this is, this, the, is a yard, this is a yard you can run three front runners against each other and they go full pelt. Yeah, true. From enough. the start. So I don't think I, I don't think it's ever really in the uh, in the thought press to the thought process to go well the only front runners let's set a really slow pace if they, if they go to the front they tend to they tend to set a decent gallop like the common sense is overrated <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's what um, they'll be expecting us to do <laughs> but if this was a, if you could tell me right this is going to be run at an even pace um i'd be disappointed if regal reality didn't get the job done 
Um, most inexperienced in this field, but overcame that last time. Really promising three-year-old, I think, um, could potentially be very nice um, in my book. But I would just be fearful this could get messy, and that would just temper my enthusiasm just a little bit. He'll probably end up being my selection now, but I, I would struggle to make it a race to be to be very bullish uh, going in head, going in uh, full speed at, if you know what I mean. Okay, so Regal Reality is your selection, but with a note of caution. Rory, for you, who are you starting with? Uh, Regal Reality as well. And I, I take Kevin's points um, on board there about um, it's difficult to, to envisage how the race is going to be run in the first place. But as I said, I, I think... I think that there's a big chance Stretting goes out in front and, and um, if Franny Norton does decide to go on, I think he goes on clear. Um, and hopefully that makes means it's it's a well-run race. Um, you know, bizarrely enough, what impressed me most about Regal Reality last time was the was the pre-race betting. I, I wrote that race up um, beforehand and I thought it was a really interesting race on paper and I thought Regal Reality was a difficult horse to weigh up. Um, we were there, um, Emmett, when he ran in the Heron Stakes. Yes. Um, at Sandown, um, and a, I thought that was a that was an interesting race for him to run in on a seasonal reappearance, given given the yard he came from. Yeah. Um, and then I was very interested to see that he was made favourite um, for the uh, the Thoroughbred Stakes last time um, in the early market. Um, I, I don't think there would have been much of an anti-post market for it, but there would have been some. Yeah, there would have been some betting on it um, at the weekend, and clearly there were nibbles from the yard for it because he was he was put in as like three to one, seven to two favorite, and I thought, well, this is a horse. He's only he's only won um, what a maiden first time out, and then he was and then he finished sixth um, in the Heron Stakes, and here he is stepping up in class against inform horses, and I find him quite hard to weigh up. Um, in the end, he's drifted. To I think he's gone off at a you know almost fourteen to one on the exchanges, ten to one SP. Um, but the fact is that somebody wanted to back him early on, um, uh, and clearly they think a lot of him at home, as you can tell from his entries as well. He's he's in the the QE two, and it's not like um, Sir Michael start to to waste entries uh, in Group One races and horses who don't um, who don't deserve them. So. Um, he was impressive on the day. Again, I thought it was a good race. I think Ostilio was a, an underrated horse. The way he won the Britannia, um, everyone, you know, the general reaction was, what idiots those 29 or 31 jockeys are to have allowed um, Sylvester D'Souza to get across from a from a low to middle draw and get on the stands reel and bolt up on the Britannia. But you can't really do that if you haven't got the horse underneath you. And I thought it was a very good performance. So... Um, I was I was with him at, at Goodwood, and I thought Regal Reality did well to to beat him um, as well as he did. Uh, I think there there has to be more improvement to come. He's unexposed here. This isn't exactly a great race for three year olds historically, but I can't get excited about the older horses in here at all. You know, Emmaus will handle the ground. Here comes Wen will handle the ground, but neither of them have gone on from from um, uh, the promise of their reappearance efforts. Here comes Wen. Doesn't look the same horse as he did last year. Master of the World's horse I like, but I think he's better on, on, on quicker ground as well. And I just think this might be, as long as as long as there is an even gallop, um, and possibly if there isn't, I think Regal Reality should be different class to them. All right. I am liking that confidence from Rory DeLarge. Uh, we can move on to the opening race, the Read Luke Morris's blog at Unibet Handicap over a mile <laughs> and six furlongs. I was told by Rory to make sure... Everybody gets their full title at the start of the podcast. So here we go. Um, obviously, all three-year-olds, Jim Crowley, Andre John Gosden on uh, Ben Vraki um, for Princess High of Jordan, a son of Frankel. So obviously a major disappointment. Uh, the Queen's got Nathaniel. <laughs> major disappointment. Natural history. There's a big theory going around social media that um, Frankel's horses uh, disappoint dramatically after a very short period of time, they start to regress. So I'm looking forward to Kevin Blake's article for the uh, Thoroughbred Daily News, which um, completely disputes that and shows that actually they're fantastic or backs it up. But I'd rather spend my 135000 on See the Stars, the final Fallen podcast brought to you by See the Stars. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, I know you've gone through this race in detail. What are your current thoughts? I, yeah, I love these three-year-old staying handicaps. I think they're always really interesting. Um, 
Yeah, there's two I would probably like here more than most with slightly different profiles. So the first one is Mekong, Mekong, however you want to pronounce it, um, for Stouty. A um, little bit more exposed than some of his rivals in handicaps. Um, progressing steadily, stays well, proven over the trip. Good run at York last time. Second, uh, Sorry, fourth to Ghostwatch um, over this trip, a mile six. Did plenty in front. Um, and perhaps could have a little bit more to come. Um, has won on heavy ground. Um, I don't think he'd necessarily want it, you know, especially testing, but he seems to handle it okay. Um, he'd be probably number two on my list. Uh, Ryan Moore taking over should be a help to him as well. Um, but one that is a bit less exposed and perhaps has more scope to improve off his mark um, would be natural history for the Queen. Um, again, progressive form, uh, made a winning handicap debut last time at Chepstow over a mile and a half, uh, bolted up and was very strong in the final furlong, um, which, which always really impresses me. Um, gone up 11 pounds, which is plenty. Um, but the key here, I think, and what will hopefully bring, bring about more improvement is the step up to a mile six. Um, he is bred to absolutely relish that longer trip. He's by Nathaniel, who has proven to be a real influence for stamina. His horses get better with time. And on the dam's side, his mother, Philem Script, stayed a mile six and has already produced a free agent who was... Uh, he won the Chesham, didn't he? He did, yeah. He, he, yes, ended, he, he right. ended, up staying, ended up staying two miles and has also bred Domesday Book, the winner of the Kim Muir, so stays all day. <laughs> and, uh, so I think we should really improve for the step up and trip. Um, and another factor there is he's unraced on, on ground softer than good ground but if you watch him move um, and I suspect the softer surface might just suit him and um, yeah 11 pound rise off 90 but I just think there might be more to come there um, over the longer trip um, can make the running has made the running over shorter there's a couple of candidates here that have made the running including McCong and Dramatic Queen as well but um, he'll certainly be bang up there I'd imagine which is never any harm at Haydock and, um, and yeah, he'd be my selection, natural history. All right. From a talented staying family as well, um, Roy DeLarge, are you siding with the Queen as well? I'm not so keen on the knighthood as uh, as Mr. Blake is. But, um, <laughs> Arise, Sir makes... Kevin Blake. Someday, someday. <laughs> uh, there's a slight irony in the breeding of natural history as well. He's, he's um, The film script was by Amphawain, who should have been the Queen's. Did she give the dam away? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, proved, so proved to be one of the best broodmares of all time. Mare, yeah, yeah, one of the best of all time. And certainly the best she had. Most of her broodmares turn out to throw um, uh, talented, but uh, let's say quirky performers. And uh, Haida Fashion was just the opposite. Um, so, yes, that was that's slightly ironic. But she, she managed to get back into the family to some degree. And yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, thoroughly unexposed natural history should improve again, and there are there are a number in there who who could do better. I was with uh, Mekong in the in the Melrose last time out, and I'm not um, I'm not going to desert him. There are two kinds of Frankles, by the way. There are the ones who are you know who who all win on debut and are buzzed up, and then are you know their minds are blown to pieces within a year. I've seen a few of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are the, the, the Frankles who are not buzzy and take time to come to hand and stay well and keep getting better. And um, there are a couple of those in this race, Ben Vracky being one of them. Um, he's, um, he's, he's got a smashing pedigree being out of Kinnaird, who was probably the best horse that the late Pat Haslam ever trained. Um, she won um, uh, the Phillies arc, if you like. Um, she was a very, very good um, good miler as a, a two-year-old and a top uh, mile and a half filly as a, as a three-year-old. And Ben Vracchi, I wouldn't rule out. But it's one of those races where you can you can be positive about half a dozen horses in the race. As I said, I'm not going to desert Mekong, but, um, and, I, and I'm very happy with softer ground as well. That'll be fine with him. Um, you know, the fact that he won a, a novice on heavy ground doesn't mean that he wants heavy ground, but he probably ran a better race there than he did on his next start um, on quick grounds. At Newbury in the uh, in the London Gold Cup, um, and I think he'll appreciate a bit of ease. I think he'll still keep going the right way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I wouldn't put you off, Kevin. Second pick, and um, uh, 
I thought Persian Lion was a little bit interesting as well for, for Jesse Harrington. I thought um, the handicapper was not at all harsh with his opening mark. I thought he showed plenty of ability in, in maiden races. Um, and he stepped up to mile seven at, um, at Leopardstown and his handicap debut and I thought won very easily. You know, mostly against a bunch of, of horses better known as hurdlers or chasers there. Um, a lot of those... A lot of those staying handicaps at Leverstown are absolutely full of chasers, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, but so maybe you could knock that form a little bit. I, I thought he won well. Uh, I thought his mark was very lenient. And he's, he's only got up six pounds for it. And that, that's probably pretty fair as well. The, the only thing I would say is that I don't think he would want particularly soft ground um, being a son of Le Wada's animal. Um, but he could surprise. So it, it's, it's a race I wouldn't be absolutely adamant about, but I'll, I'll be sticking with Mekong. Lawada Sonomo was an absolute machine in the States. He was indeed. Absolute machine there. Uh, so both of you are selecting Mekong. Uh, Kevin, though, siding with the Queen's horse as that bid for the knighthood continues. Uh, the 32 Red Casino. Sir Blake handicap. is a good horse, by the way. Sir Blake is Very good horse. indeed uh, a good horse. Um, so we see Megan and Paul Nichols with Cliffs of Doher. Uh, we've got a Boulder Bob, Hotchfield. Solve this one for us, Roy Delargy, the 335. Uh, I'm not sure I can. Um, but I will uh, I will give it a go. Um, Never surrender, Rory. Never surrender. <laughs> you, you clever cookie. Um, <laughs> Deary me. The Glasgow Warrior will be my pick here. Um, <clears throat> and I, I'd imagine at a fair price. Um, I don't know if there's any if there's betting out for this. Twelve but it'll be to one. Okay, fair enough. Um, he's a horse who's who's been improving this season for for Jim Goldie. Ocean Murphy is a very interesting booking for the yard. Um, he was taken out of a race the other day because he would have a top weight on soft ground, but I actually think he probably wants plenty of dig in the grounds, um, and he certainly ran his best race last time out um, <clears throat> when third um, at Hamilton over a mile and a half, finding plenty uh, for pressure to be beaten narrowly by Archie's affair. Um, and he's been threatening. He was disappointing in his previous start at, at York, but he'd been threatening for a while to come good. And Jim had, had been keeping him under wraps. Um, so I think I think Jim thinks plenty of him because it's, it's very rare for Jim Goldie to ever withdraw a horse from a race if it's still alive. Uh, and he did. <laughs> <laughs> and he did take the Glasgow Warrior rider for race at Hamilton because he wanted to save him for for uh, for another day. Um, so I think he will take another step forward on this ground. Um, you know, you can look at it, look at his form this season and say he's looking a bit exposed. But I I think there's still a little bit to scratch beneath the surface with the Glasgow Warrior, and um, hopefully he'll get to show that at a decent price. Okay. Um, and no one riding better than Osher Murphy at the moment. Yeah, true enough, true enough indeed. Uh, so, will the character of Entrainment Spotting win the three thirty-five, Kevin Blake, or are you taking him on? Um, I'm going to take him on. Um, I'm going to take him on. Tricky race. Um, the one I came down on was Boulder Bob uh, for David Barron. Um, nice, steady, progressive horse. To be fair to him, won a Pontefract last time by a nose. Um, was held up a little bit more than usual on that occasion after missing the kick and um, has only gone up one British pound for that. And I, I think there's probably a bit more to come from him. Um, you know, drawn five, there, there's, a, there's a few in here to, that could make the running. Uh, Hockfeld from Mark Johnson might look to cross from stall 10 to lead. Clissa Dover, Dover, sorry, is a bit of a runaway and could end up forcing the pace further, Megan Nichols likes it or not. Um and between the two of them, there might be a little bit of pace here. And I'd be hopeful that Boulder Bob could jump a little bit sharper from the stalls and not be all that far away from them. Um, he's won up to a mile five. The extra furlong should be just fine. And I just—he's—I don't think he's ridiculously well handicapped, but I just think there might be a few more pounds in him. Um, and I don't necessarily think you'll need to be ridiculously well handicapped to win this. Um, now, Hockfeld is, is, will be prominent in the market there, and he's been hitting the same mark away pretty much all season. So there's a, there's a few that are prominent in the market here that have a look of um, that they might be in the handicapper's grip. So it might, it might not take a super progressive one to, to win it. And I think Boulder Bob might just be steadily progressive enough to, to go close. 
Okay, Boulder Bob, then the selection of Kevin Blake. We shall switch to Ascot, shall we? The 245 at Ascot. Got to be careful of the pronunciation here. Connard Handicap over seven furlongs. Cape Byron currently heads the betting, followed closely by Gilgamesh. Jamie Spencer oh, takes over. Oh. Ideal for him, but... Oh, no, Rory, he's drawn in stall 20. Yeah, they're not paying the fees, are they? They're not ah. paying the old protection money to get a good draw. Electra, just pay whatever money it is you have to pay and get it done. Uh, th there's a couple of horses every season that you think, if ever this gets a good draw, I'll be lumping on it. And then they never, ever get one. Except for Furman. Furman finally got a reasonable draw at York and then ran into one bit of trouble and, yeah. and was beaten less than Less than a length of the trading odds on. Um, yeah, the stole 20 is a concern. Um, the, uh, although the one thing I would say is uh, the speeds in this race, surely coming from um, uh, Zhu Feng, um, or pronounce that as you want, that's definitely wrong from me. Zhu Feng. Zhu Feng. Sea Fox and Belmead next door to. Um, uh, to the Amanda Parrot runner who wears blinkers for the first time. So he's an out and out front runner and he wears blinkers for the first time. That's where the pace is and that's stall 17. So Gilgamesh and stall 20. Um, Jimmy Spencer will be looking to talk straight behind that and it might end up not being a bad thing. Um, he does ride the straight course at Ascot very well, does yep. Jimmy, like him or not. And he is a jockey who's got the best out of Gilgamesh in the past. Um, you want to go back and watch the video of him winning on Gilgamesh at Red Car last year. I know it's only Red Car, um, but Spencer was in his element. He's virtually taken a pull with two furlongs to run, knowing that he wants to win by a very short margin and the horse is running away. And he's won incredibly cheekily, um, which is where he, he first caught my eye. And to be honest, he's he's won he won that race at York um, round the bend in May. Otherwise, he's not been placed this season, and yet he's caught the eye on virtually every run. Um, he had a bit of a break before that run at Chelmsford, and again, you know, his his the problem with a horse like Gilgamesh is sometimes when you get a bad draw, the best way of overcoming it is just just pop out, go forward, and you know, get yourself ahead of rivals, and you'll be fine. Um, but he's always because he's a hold-up horse, or he, he needs to race mid division or further back. Um, that's a difficult thing to do. He's a horse who who will have a reputation of needing cover, whether that's that's true or not. Uh, and therefore, the first thing the jockeys always want to do with horses who need cover from from um, wide draws is take back and tuck in. Um, and I'm not a big fan of taking back and tucking in as a rule. But hopefully, he won't have to take back very far, um, and he can tuck into rivals who are pretty close to him here, which will benefit his chance. But I might just I might just end up going against him <gasps> on the day. How dare you, sir? Um. He's going to be short again, isn't he? He's going to be. He's going to be nearly favourite for this. Six to one. Um, and another horse with a with a similar style, but what might be a better draw in the end, and a horse who's proven over course and distance. In fact, he's produced his best performances over course and distance. Ripoff, who um, I think the going will be will be uh, good or quicker at Ascot um, at this stage. I haven't looked at the weather forecast in a couple of hours, mind you, and things can change. Um, but I'm not sure that he wants he wanted the soft ground he met last time out at, at Newmarket, and he was disappointing on soft earlier in the season. Aside from that, his form has been really good this season, uh, and he's extremely well suited by a strongly run seven furlongs um, at a track with an uphill finish, um, either Ascot or Newmarket. Um, he ran really well again um, when I he was a selection for me in the uh, in the international handicap at the end of July. Um, and Jason Watson rode him last time out. That should be a marriage made in heaven, really, rip off and Jason Watson. But I, th I think the grind was against him at Newmarket and he was favourite last time out. He's been dropped a pound for that, so he's only a pound higher than when beaten less than a length in, in one of the most competitive handicaps of the season last time out. Um, and stall 14 should be ideal. Again, he's got that pace close to him, but he's close to the middle. Um, and, and the horses in the middle tend to be better than those right on the wings here. So he's got... Slightly more in his favour than Gilgamesh. He's got a similar sort of style to Gilgamesh. Um, and I will just favour him as it stands. Have you got betting in front of you? I do. Um, what's the difference in price between the pair of them? One point. You can get 7-1 to one about yeah. Gilgamesh, 8-1 to one about Ripoff. Yeah, well, I would I would 
That's a rip-off, mate. Yeah, I would, rip I, would, off, I would make them just the other way around. Um, I, I would give them pretty much the same chance. But if you, if you forced me, if you told me the same price and you forced me against the wall, I would just go for rip-off on this occasion. And the fact that he's a point figure just makes that a little bit easier. Also, what if I had a gun as well? Yeah, also, now you know how to get a tip from Rory Delargy <laughs> at the races. If Rory is, for some reason, and he's a very nice man, but let's say he's in a rush and you ask him for a tip... And he goes, sorry, I don't have the time. Just put him against the wall and say, <laughs> what's your tip, mate? And then he will give it to you. Um, One bullet, bang, bang. There you go. That'll, that'll sort that out fairly quickly. You brought it on yourself, Rory. Um, Kevin, obviously, it's Gil Ganesh for me. I'll follow that horse right off the cliff in this 49,800 pounds of the winner race, 80 grand guaranteed. What about yourself? <laughs> Oh, jeez, I've just got flashbacks to the unbelievables. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I've, I'd say I've posted one bullet, bang, bang, uh, about four or five times on Twitter, Easily. in my Twitter life. Easily. And, ev and every time, every time someone says, uh, one bullet, mate, that would only be one bang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's always someone who just doesn't get it. Well, if you, if you, if you still don't get it, go don't on believe to YouTube. It. Don't Go believe. on to YouTube and simply type in Simple Owl Salad. Yeah. And you'll see a, a comedy sketch there. And stick with it. It's it's gets it's a slow starter. It's about 20 years old. Uh, a piece of a uh, Irish comedic genius. Uh, and the joke is that if you go into a rural pub in Ireland, you will find almost certainly a man just like the main protagonist in this. And uh, I, the fact that I'm still pulling out the stupid little uh, references to it 20 years later tells you how much I enjoyed <laughs> you know what I just remembered so they used to release them on video back in the old days of VHS oh yes and it would be delivered to your door um, do you remember the weather forecaster Jenny oh, lads with the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the cream or shaving foam it be a great old country if you could put a roof on it ha huh? and, <laughs> and we're heading for a heat wave here lads and he puts petrol over the map of Ireland and look lads there's going to be a scorcher and the whole thing goes up in flames it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant oh, right class. Gilgamesh well, wins anyway, side track over um, yeah I, 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 I like one here and um uh, I, he's been on my radar for a little while and I haven't pulled the trigger yet this year but I think today or th today Saturday might be the day to be with him um, is raising sand um, and I suppose why people would have he would be in people's minds this season especially uh, was in the aftermath of Accidental Agent and Lord Glitters uh, very much coming good and if you took your eyes back to um, a big handicap at Ascot there at the back end of last season. Accidental Agent and Lord Glitters were, were first and second in a handicap there of uh, Marks in the low 100s and they're, they're languishing in third, poor old raising sand, just having bumped into two horses with quite literally a stone in hand. And um, you just think that he's been brought along a little bit. They, they were probably very much aiming him at the Hunt Cup. He, he had a nice comeback, not knocked about. And in the Hunt Cup, he was probably just on the wrong side, bit awkward away, didn't get the clearest run, uh, but ran well, to be fair to him. Um, and if you are to fancy him um, on Saturday, you have to forgive last time because it was a, a pretty shocking run by all accounts yeah. at Sandown. Um, but look, the fact that he's disappeared for, for a couple of months after that suggests that maybe all wasn't well afterwards. And... Um, I'll just take a chance. Maybe they'll use this as a bit of a warm-up for something else, maybe. But we're running out of time in the season. Um, absolutely, he loves Ascot. He's very much proven there. I think seven probably suits him better than a mile. Um, I'm sure some will disagree with me on that. Um, if it was good ground, that'd be fine. Um, he's, he's got form on a shade softer and a shade firmer, but somewhere in between would probably be just grand for him. Uh, Dougie Costello rides. And... Um, you know, even that day that he was third to, to accidental agent and Lord Glitters, you know, he was very much the best of those that were prominent. It was just a very good run on the day, and it's just been made look better um, as time has gone on. And he's back down to that exact mark now, again, 98. I just think he's a big handicap winner waiting to happen. Um, I'm sure plenty will have that view of him. Um, but, yeah, I just, I'm just going to take the chance that this might be the day. It's, you know, 14, 16 to 1. I think it's probably worth taking a, a wee chance on um, with a draw that that's probably you know in the middle, which is probably a good spot to be in. 
Yeah, and uh, off a mark of 98, I can see the case, but obviously... Would, would, you, would you have a hue with him, Rory, just as a matter of interest? Um, if I'd like to see him with, uh, over this trip with a little bit of rain. Hmm. I think I think um, easy grind seven foot on Zaskat absolutely ideal for him. Yeah, he's he's right up there in terms of um, uh, in terms of how well handicapped he is for uh, his his course form. Um, but if I, I, I I was just put off by him by the possibility of it of the grind staying on the quick side. Cool. Um, but it wouldn't it, that wouldn't be um, I wouldn't necessarily rule him out. Um, it's just it's just pushed him a little bit further down. But he'd still be he'd still be in my top four or five in the race. And finally, the 3.55 at Ascot, right after Gilgamesh has bolted up. Jamie Spencer is still collecting trophies and blowing kisses to the crowd. <laughs> Ghost Watch goes and wins for William Buick and Charlie Appleby. Surely, Kevin Blake, uh, make the case. I don't know. I, I take Ghost Watch on. Ah, that's ridiculous. Um, Alo clearly improving very well. You know, he, he didn't look the most hearty of individuals there earlier in the season but they gelded him and he looked better last time I thought um, he's, I, I know um, I know why you like him Kennedy clearly um, because he was of course bred but in the Arcus family and cost 2.1 million guineas as a year now. I um, actually didn't know that uh, you see you're naturally drawn to them you can't do it, it's subconscious that's uh, ridiculous why did they sell him because they got a load of money I suppose yeah, everyone likes money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, the, the, but yeah, are literally swimming in it, though. So it's interesting that they, they decided to sell him. No, I just like his form. Uh, I genuinely like his form, but um, that's interesting. I honestly did yeah. not know that. But as much as anything, I'd just be a little bit worried that dropping Mac from a mile six to a mile four just might not be ideal. Um, stamina seems to be his strong point, and that is just enough to put me off. And the one I'll take a chance on here is first 11. Um, and again, it's, it's not as similar to raising sand in a way in that you have to forget about last time. It wasn't an abysmal run by any means, but anyway, we'll, we'll just wind the clock a small bit further back, I should say. And um, he really jumped out of the ground, really, to win at Newbury earlier in the season, absolutely bolted up, went to the King George the fifth handicap at Ascot and was most certainly an unlucky loser. Um, miserable luck all the way down the straight and um, was just beating the neck and um, should have won. Um, that race has worked out quite well. Uh, a horse called Cross Counter was back and forth. Um, he's very much boosted the form, and one or two others have, have done the same. Not not quite to the same extent, but it's very solid form, I think. And um, they, they stepped him up. He went up six pounds for that unlucky defeat, which was tough to take, but um, understandable. They upped him to Group 3 company at Newmarket last time, and he just ran below form. Um, not an easy one to find an excuse for, but... Um, we'll always forgive one bad run and back in handicap company off a mark that still seems reasonable to me um, a track he's proven over course and distance he's proven over um, I just think this represents a bit of a drop in class you know there's some nice horses in there obviously go swatch amongst them but um, based on that King George the fifth form which is which is very very hot in my opinion mm-hmm. um, I think at the price he is 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 is, is fair. I, even though I see, I see he's shortened even since I've um, since I previewed since I wor- went through this race earlier he's shortened away he was initially put in at thirteen to two which was oh long um, which was very tasty looking but anyway he's shortened up but he, he'd, he'd be now. yeah he'd be the one for me um, okay. there's some like there's someone here that likes a midi is in there now like with a pedigree Frankel out of midday um, she's priced up on pe- I'm sorry he's priced up on pedigree as much as anything because this represents um, a big step up in class. Uh, for him, in my view, and I'd, I'd question him over the longer trip as well. He need to settle better. Yeah. Um, whereas first eleven, I think all you ha- all you have to do to really fancy first eleven is forgive the last run, and um, I'm always happy to walk away from from one poor run. All right. Well, obviously, uh, Kevin has mentioned the classic winning parents of Frankel and Midday from Midi, but it is a big step up for Sir Michael Stout and David Probert. Um, first eleven for Kevin. What about you, Rory? Uh, I'm with first eleven as well, and. Um... I was going to make comparisons with Midi as well. Um, I'll, I'll take that one stage further. Uh, <laughs> Midi is going to be a short price based on, on, as Kevin said, his pedigree because um, she's by or he's by Frankel out of um, uh, out of a Group One winning mare. But of course, um, 
First 11's got the phone in the book, and it's by Frank Collette of a, um, Zender won the French Guineas, didn't she? Yep. Yeah, and it has produced so, Kingman. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you can't really, you can't really knock that in pedigree, can you? No. Um, strictly strictly speaking, she's a, um, you know, she's a slightly more solid uh, broodmare than the, the midday at this stage. So, um, and I agree, the, the, the Bahrain Trophy was a funny race, if you remember how that was run. Wells Fargo got to the front, um, set a... Um, Set what was initially a strong pace, then slowed it down um, just before the elbow, and then kicked on again. And I think a lot of horses who who were held up behind him didn't end up um, having the race run to suit. And first eleven was probably one of those. Um, hopefully, it doesn't go the same way as the winner, the the, uh, the winner of the of the um, uh, King George V handicap last season. He started started favourites for the Bahrain Trophy and then disappointed later in the season. Although that one's buying back this year. Uh, Atty Purse, but yeah, I in the the Ascot race again. You know, you know my, you know my thinking about mile and a half handicaps at Ascot. Of the first eight horses home, he was the he was the the lowest drawn. He was drawn in stall seven that day, um, and again, the race was dominated by the high numbers, um, and he did he did best of those um, who who were drawn and raced low. He he had to race towards the inside of the track, met traffic problems as a result. Um, and did tremendously well to finish where he did. He was an unlucky, unlucky loser. Frankie was Frankie looking for a treble or a four timer on the day, as well at that stage. Oh, he was definitely mm. on a good run of form that yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and so I'd I'd, I'd much rather um, judge him on that than um, uh, than his run at Newmarket, um, particularly because of how that went. He's he's yeah, that was a very tactical race as well. It was, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, and it wasn't a bad run from him. It wasn't like he ran no. terribly when. When Addy Purse started favourite for the for the Bahrain Trophy last year, he's beaten about thirty odd lengths in the end. Um, you know, first eleven was beaten thirteen horses um, who who raced away from the real. I don't think were were favoured massively on the day either. And the way the race was run, as as can be the case with that contest, just made it a little bit messy in terms of form. Um, I think he's liable to bounce back. He carries the first colours, inter- interestingly, uh, rather than um, uh, than Midi. Um, and yes, uh, Millie looks looks interesting. Was beaten out of sight on debut, um, and it wasn't it wasn't the strongest um, novice you'll ever see that he won um, at Windsor on his reappearance. And he's having his third run back very quickly. And if you if you're concerned about Frankel's getting a little bit buzzed up, then then three runs um, in the space of three weeks for Millie would have to be a concern for you. Um, and I wouldn't really want to be with him. Um, given that if they're going to win this race, I think they've got to go forward with him from stall 10. Um, and he was quite free at Newcastle last mm. time out. And that would, you know, having him racing freely in front as well would be a big test of his temperament. Um, but again, you do want to have horses who go forward at Ascot, um, as we've seen before. I could see um, I could see the exposed Berkshire Royal um, running a, better than his odds. Um, he's been beaten in, in four of his last five stars, and he he looks like he's he's wanting off this mark. But um, his stables runners tend to do well uh, at Ascot, and I can see him um, running above himself. But if I'm looking for one to back in the race, it, it would, as Kevin said, be uh, be first eleven. And I'd have the, have the same concerns about Ghostwatch as well, dropping back to this trip from from a mile and six of the Melbourne. Okay, and in terms of names, just because the fugitive was brilliant, Doctor Richard Kimball, number ten. The Fugitive. Might go and watch that again, actually. Right, Kempton will be, in some ways, the star of the show for some. Um, obviously, it's not, but it will be the star of the show for some. As we get to see Enable come back, she'll have uh, Weekender in there as well. But this is not going to be some simple race for her, Rory Delargy, as I saw you tweeting about during the week, because Crystal Ocean was entered, and Crystal Ocean runs in the 188 bet September stakes. So this is going to be a proper renewal. And um, Crystal Ocean's second favorite, Enable having her seasonal debut, and she'll have to be at her best to go and beat him. She will. I mean, I think a lot of people will look at this and say she can afford to be a bit short of her best and still win because she's, you know, she was virtually unbeatable um, after her debut last season. Um, winning every Group One prize she was thrown at, including the King George and the Ark, uh, and she's not penalised for any of those because of the the penalty structure of this race. Whereas Crystal Ocean um, does have a five pound penalty for uh, winning the um, Hardwick Stakes at Royal Ascot, um, and therefore it's a little bit unfair. But for me, 
and I'm sure Kevin will agree with this, if a horse isn't ready or isn't fit, the idea that ah, they can run 90% and they'll still be able to win is, or, or you know, she can run seven pounds below form and still win this. Nonsense. Uh, it's nonsense, really. It's it's not really the way it works. If you're if you're up against another top class rival and you're not at your best, even if that rival's giving you ten pounds, you're going to be beaten. You know, you've got to be very very close to your best to be winning. Um, if she's if she's not ready for a fight, if she's genuinely rusty, uh, then Crystal Ocean will be picking up the pieces here, and I wouldn't I wouldn't get too hung up on the weight carried. Um, if it was, you know, if it was the other way around, you'd you'd talk about it all day. But you know, this is this is all about whether she is um, ready to go or not. And I, I, you have to have your doubts about it, don't you? Mm. Um, given how long it's taken her to get back, and they were hoping to get her back before now. But whenever when people were were, and this is one of the few interviews I did here, um, uh, saw Teddy Grimthorpe um, asked about this just a few weeks before York, and he said, well, she's had. She's done one piece of work, um, so it's unlikely she's going to get to York. Um, and to be to be nudging August and having a, a filly who who'd done pretty much no work at all is, is a worry. Now she's in exceptionally good hands, and if John Gosden said she's ready to go, then she's probably ready to go. Uh, but I would not be advising anyone to um, to lump on her, especially on the basis of the weight she receives. The weight she receives is. is just a it's a non sequitur really it's completely irrelevant in this case she's either at her best in which case she wins or she's not quite the filly we saw last year in which case she doesn't win yeah i'd 100 percent agree it's great to see her back it's fantastic that she is back on the track and hopefully she runs well whether that's wins or finishes second and then kick on to the arc but um crystal ocean would be an attractive enough price to me, Kevin, at seven to four. Uh, while enough of people will, will be saying, that's how dare you take on the mighty Enable. But the fact is, she's had her problems. They missed York with her. And they had her entered for Irish Champions Weekend. There was the possibility of her coming over for that. But she, she goes for this race instead. Um, I suspect they're a bit taken aback that um, such a good horse in, in Crystal Ocean is running here. But it is a race that John Gosden has used as a springboard before jack hobbs springs to mind um what's your thoughts on the race yeah it's just a bit mad isn't it <laughs> you know like if if enable was pulled out there didn't eat up on saturday morning was pulled out we would probably all kind of go ah yeah you know that wasn't that hard to 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 foresee coming um but who knows hopefully it happens um because it's just like god there can't have been too many better higher quality group threes run in history can there no big time <laughs> certainly not on, certainly not on the all weather uh, one wouldn't imagine but it'll be a fabulous contest if it happens um and look the one certainty we have here i think is that enable probably won't be touched with the whip um i suspect mm -hmm. you know this is her connections could care less i'd imagine about the the group three september six they're thinking about um, an arc the triumph and they're not going to leave that behind by giving her an, an already hard race um, to beat Crystal Ocean in, in a group three um, so I would very much be with Crystal Ocean um, how the race pans out will be interesting um, Judmont and Gosden obviously have Weekender in there as well a horse that, that can make the running and has often made the running this season um, so one one suspects that they'll try and make it an even pace. It's probably not in their interest for them to go real steady. Um, Enable, of course, has made the running herself in the past, but you can't imagine that'll happen. Um, Cribs Causeway can make the running as well. So there, there should be an even pace here. Crystal Ocean will be ridden in no-nonsense fashion, I'd imagine, by Probert. What an opportunity for David Probert, by yeah, the way. Yeah, huge. Um, big, big, big. Uh, like, he hasn't... Like, I was doing some... I, you know, David Probert's obviously been around for a long time, but I did some some quick research on him. He's ridden, you know, over 800 winners. He's only had 50-odd rides for Stout, um, and it's a big opportunity for him, but the best luck to him. Yeah, um, Crystal Ocean... Is a very straightforward conveyance. I might imagine he'll be ridden prominently. Enable might look to follow him, perhaps. Um, and yeah, it'll just be intriguing. But don't be shocked now if Crystal Ocean, who's obviously very much race fit, commits for home, and Enable is finishes an up knocked about second. 
Um, wouldn't be a shock to me at all if that happened. In fact, that's what I'd, I'd expect to happen, really. Um, Enable has won on an artificial surface. Crystal Ocean has never run on one, but would obviously be trained on one regularly, one would imagine. Like the one little con- tiny concern you'd have in your head about Crystal Ocean, other than um, you know the surface, is that he, he did have a real gut buster last time. Yeah. By, by God, he tried. He tried hard in that King George. Nine lengths clear of a real good horse in Coronet. Um, that was a gut buster. And geez, he tried. He he got to the very bottom of his soul that day. And um, and while Sir Michael has given him, you know, six weeks to get over that, um, he just, you know, and, and look, he had a, a tough race in the St. Ledger last year when he perhaps didn't quite get home. But you'd just like to see him come back and, uh, and run up to his best again before you assume he can do it. Because, oh, that was a tough race. Yeah. Good God. That, that, that was a... That was a, a race that it wouldn't be at all surprising to me if it left some sort of a mark on him. And the horse has never looked anything but, you know, the most honest of triers. Um, but it would just be a small query in my head. Um, but I hope this race happens. Um, I would fancy Crystal Ocean to win. But, um, God, it'll be a fabulous start to um, to, to the day on, on ITV on Saturday. I wanted to get, to get this race kicking kick yeah, off. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a nice way to start your coverage. Enable versus Crystal Ocean on the all-weather. Five past two. Right, what is your best bet of the day on Saturday? Oh. Kevin Blake. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, helpful hints for future when I go, oh, that probably means go to Rory. That's why, that's why I went to you, Kev. That's why I went to you. Uh, let me flick my pages manically here as I, I I am well prepped for once. Find a runner this time. I will I got, try I got and do my best to find finding a runner. runners last time. <laughs> Tell you what, while you... Even though, even though I would have won by about 20 lengths. Of course yeah, you Indeed, by 25 lengths yeah. even. Yeah, oh, we were, we were okay. screwed over there. Right, Kev, come on. I would say... I would say... Can I, give, can I split stakes with two? Yes, you can. Yeah. Um. I I'd go with Natural History at Haydock and First Eleven at Ascot. Okay. All right. First Eleven and Natural History. The two for Kevin. Rory. Ripoff. Ripoff. In the Cunard handicap at Ascot. All right. Nice. Happy with that. Very happy with Excellent. that, gentlemen. That sounds good to me. Um, interesting news. We will see Rumble in the Jungle next weekend. And uh, Tom Queely has said that he's one of the best juveniles he's ever ridden. That's quite a statement, considering he was the rider of Frankel. And Road to Riches is among 38 horses to be sold from Gigginstown at the Goff Sale. So there you go. He's um, had a good career, kind of gone downhill a little bit, but he's off to the sales. So somebody out there can get themselves a, a pretty decent horse who can, um, I'm sure, represent them well on the race course. And that is our National Hunt mention completed for you. Um, now, next week, we do not have just one, two, but three podcasts for you uh, next week. We will do our weekend review as normal on the Monday. And then on Thursday, we are going to preview Irish Champions Weekend in one podcast and Doncaster in another. So hopefully you can join us for those. Um, lots to discuss and lots to look forward to. Rory Delargy, thanks so much for your company again. My pleasure. All the best. Kevin Blake, enjoy ITV at the weekend. Good luck. And we will see you on Monday on AtTheRaces.com. Until then, God bless. The final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org. 18 plus. Have you downloaded the free app, the races app yet with easy to use race cards and form expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fans phone should be without available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit at forward slash app for more details.